So I have not seen, I should say, I had never seen on Her Majesty's Secret Service until yesterday. (laughs) Fresh. Very fresh. Why had you never seen it? I just didn't know who this guy was. Mm -hmm. He didn't. In other words, he only did one Bond film. There has to have been a reason for that. Mm -hmm. There's another reason, though, you hadn't seen it. I think it's also because in the... 80s maybe even the 90s this film i don't think was readily available i don't i don't mm. think it was you know <clears throat> it wasn't shown on tv like i never saw this on television the way i saw you know the roger moore films mm-hmm. um or even some of the conneries you know when we were kids you know that they would be occasionally they'd be on television i don't think and to this day i don't you know i don't i don't i don't know if i've ever like just been flipping the channels and come across majesties you know the way you come uh-huh. you flip and you come across you know goldfinger or a pierce brosnan film you know or a roger moore film um i don't think i've ever just come across majesty so it's not it's just not here at least in the states it's just not something that's you know on television and back in when we were kids it just wasn't it wasn't available like that um, mm-hmm. so that's probably another reason why you've never seen it yeah but you well, look been, here. But you're in that camp of people who are like, "Who is this dude?" <laughs> yeah, like why? Why? <laughs> right. There's no okay. need to. Okay. So, Matt Unreal, this is 007 and counting our special series where we are talking about six James Bond films leading up to the release of Daniel Craig's finale in the role of James Bond for the 25th film no time to die that we are banking on an early october release october the 8th in the u.s and probably yeah, like what time, late september in the uk a couple weeks yes, earlier that yes, they'll do a, a london before, premiere probably yes about a week or week or 10 days before in the uk but by the time this episode drops i think it will will only be maybe two three weeks away i think maybe yeah around that so yes yeah, it's, it's it's imminent imminent at the point that you guys are hearing this the the uh, mm-hmm. no time to die and they probably I think they're going to do another trailer, so maybe that's dropped by now as well. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's happening, so it's coming. All right, so we've gone through, uh, we've gone through Roger Moore, Live and Let Die. We've touched on Sean Connery with Thunderball. We've talked about the debut of Timothy Dalton uh, in The Living Daylights, and now here we are talking about another debut of George Lazenby in the title role for On Her Majesty's Secret Service from One 1969. I know we got a script that we follow for these. Maybe mm-hmm. you can run us down through the through the tent poles, but it's like, I this is a different Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, really quickly, um, as you guys know, if you've heard, you've listened to 007 and Counting before, we do Mad Facts at the beginning, kind of looking at where the franchise is at the time that this film was released. We do pre-titles and songs, looking at the pre-titles and kind of breaking that down and then talk, talking about how we feel about that, how we feel about the theme song for this movie. Uh, then we do rated Bond, and that's where we really kind of get into how Bond himself performed in this film as you know, the, the actor and the character. Uh, then we do women versus villain. We take a look at the Bond women in this movie, compare them to the Bond villains and see uh, who we, which camp we're in for this film, who we thought was a uh, 
better um, portrayed. And then we do last words and then we jump into Q&A question and Arthur, which is trivia questions pointed at Arturo. Arturo. Um, and he's done fairly well recently. So we're going to put him to the test today. That is how we usually do it. But I'm sensing, Arthur, that you you're, you want to kind of go off script because this, this movie is off script. Um, this is a like you said, different is a very good way to put when you look at the canon of James Bond films. This on Her Majesty's Secret Service is definitely different for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Chief among them, if we jump into mad facts, is because Sean Connery, after doing five Bond mm. films, after cementing the character in the public consciousness, um, walked away. And we can get into that on another episode. You know, there's a there's the reasons why that happened. There was beef. There was. Um, mistreatment there was all types of things going on mm. that led mm-hmm. to there was there was the the fact that you know he was tired of playing the character and um it was you know becoming intrusive onto his, his personal life really so there's a lot of reasons but bottom line he at this point you know never say never but at this point he was done and right. another bond was needed um before you say anything arthur really quickly there's a documentary on i believe it's still on hulu yeah. Um, that focuses on um, Lazenby uh, and, and uh, Lazenby. how he got the role. Right. I can't. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it's 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 a very interesting documentary because it's kind of it's told through by him, but then there's some you know scenes that are acted out by obviously different actors, and it's it's wildly entertaining. But it does pertain to how he got this role, how it changed his life, and what led him to make arguably the biggest mistake of his life by walking away from it. Um, so I, I would recommend that to anybody, but all right, so let's get into some more mad facts. Um, what was going on? You know, what was the, what was happening in the bond universe at the beginning of this, when this film dropped Arthur? Well, I'd have to say first that, um, you only live twice was, uh, a big, big hit and made over a hundred million dollars at the box office. Mm. Um, Bond films were certainly, certainly marquee productions. So um, Majesties had a lot to to live up to. And if I got my facts, my Bond facts right, um, the man with the golden gun was actually going to follow with Roger Moore yeah, in I the think title the role, right? The, yeah, I think at the end of... Um... But they couldn't get the production right, and then Roger Moore signed on to do another film, I think The Saint. Yeah, I think, well, The Saint was a TV show, but I think at the oh, end show. of uh, You Only Live Twice, I think the title card may have even said, you know, James Bond will return in The Man with the Golden Gun. I'm not positive, but I think that may have been the case. So, yeah, you're right. I don't think I don't think they were planning on doing Majesties um, until Connery walked away. Mm-hmm. And so, then, you know, and then this was also notable that this was, they made a decision to make this film much more faithful to the source material, as they call mm-hmm. it, to the uh, Ian, Ian Fleming novel more faithful than uh, some of the other films, the previous films have been. So this, this film really closely follows what happens in that book. Really like er- everything I want to say starts getting into you know, <laughs> pre-title and how he so, looked. I and- mean, let's, let's paint it like this. This was huge because again, Sean Connery was James Bond at this point to the, right. to the point where I think in the majesty or, or the uh you only live twice or maybe it was diamonds are forever but i think it was you only live twice in the marketing for that it was like sean connery is, is James Bond. yes like that was yes. part of the marketing like yes. don't get it confused like he's back he is james bond he's you know he's this character 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's the epitome. He's the the archetype. He's everything. So it's a big shift, one, to actually put somebody else into this role. This is the first time this happened. We're used to there being different bonds at this point. But it's like at this point in 1969, it was huge for somebody else to take over that role. That's yeah. one thing. But it's even bigger when you consider, OK, now we've got this guy. He's never acted before a day in his life. Mm-hmm. He's a model. Mm-hmm. He's from mm-hmm. Australia. It's like he's a complete unknown. You know, and so now we're throwing him in here. We're going to shift gears. We're going to get more realistic. We're going to, all these things are happening. So I think we can just kind of close off Mad Facts by saying that this was, and we've said this before in different episodes, but I don't, I don't think there's ever been a bigger shift than this, you know, because this is the first time. I would agree. This happened, I would agree. You know, so. Because it's also, a t- yeah, the film, it's also a tonal shift. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, it's a huge tonal shift. Yeah. If you look at this compared, we'll get into this, but if you look at this compared to, especially you only live twice or even Goldfinger. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a different, really a different feel for this movie. It, it, it exists in a space within its by itself within the bond canon. So let me ask you this, because last week um, we talked about the living daylights and the, and the debut of Timothy Dalton. And mm-hmm. we talked about differences between Moore and Dalton, a view to a kill the last Moore film, Living Daylights, the first Dalton film. Do you think this was a bigger shift in tone and, you know, uh, actor portrayal hmm. than Living Daylights with, with with Timothy Dalton? Man, I saw, that's a good question. It's a hard question. I think having not even been alive at this point, because that's, that's, you know, we have to include that when we talk about these things, that it's different to look back on it, you know, from a, you know, 50 years later or whatever. And then, you know, to be looking at it uh, via, you know, research as Uh opposed to actually living, you know, living it, because I can say that for me personally, the biggest shift that's ever happened was uh, from no time or from a die another day to Casino Royale. You know what I'm saying? That was because Uh I lived that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. 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 You know, I remember seeing, you know, uh, die another day in the theater and then i remember seeing casino Royale. and was like these are two wildly different films you know mm-hmm. and two wildly mm-hmm. different bonds mm-hmm. and personally that's the biggest shift for me but looking back at a time period where i either wasn't alive or wasn't you know a movie going age yeah i gotta say i think um this is a bigger shift than more to dalton because again it was the first time you know it was the first time that someone else had played bond other than sean connery Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in, you know, in the, in major cinema. Um, so that was just, that was that to me, that would had to be the bigger shift, you know, just by default. All right. I would, I, I agree. I think that this is the bigger shift. Um, but I'm looking at it, not even retrospectively, I'm looking at it just, I, you know, I saw these two films and I know what came before them, you know, um, and this film, you know, I didn't, for like the first 20 minutes, I didn't like the movie. Mm. Okay. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, so let's just get into the pre title sequence. Okay. Cause that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't like them. <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously. No, I didn't. You did no, not I like didn't. the pre titles. Okay. No, I didn't. Why? Um, I thought, I thought, well, we start out with dude driving, this man's driving. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to assume that it's James Bond. You know, they they really take a lot of time uh, to show that he is, in fact, smoking a cigarette. He's mm-hmm. putting it in his mouth. 
He's lighting it. Um, you know, he's got a chin cleft. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, basically, I remember the dude had a chin cleft because mm-hmm. we, you know, it was there was some time that was spent on it. You know, he gets passed up by uh, another vehicle, a red convertible Mercury Cougar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if he realizes that it was driven by a woman yet, mm-hmm. but she passes him up on this road. And for whatever reason, he decides to accelerate his car also. Mm-hmm. Um and you know he comes up on the car parked you know at the edge of the road and the the driver doors or the passenger door is open and then he pulls his car next to it opens up the glove box pulls out or or maybe pulls from the back seat his rifle case and takes his scope and finds that it's a woman and sees that she's for whatever reason walking into the sea and he gets out and <laughs> runs out it's in the fight happens <laughs> Is it, I just it don't because, understand what's happening. Okay, so it was like you had no idea what was. No, but let me ask you though: this is the pre-titles, and a lot of times we don't know exactly why things are happening. We're just like accepting that something is happening. So you have because, and then we have the patience that okay, this is going to be explained. But you had you yeah. weren't you just weren't engaged. I figured that once you know the two henchmen or whatever showed up and start fighting with Bond. That all this is going to be explained, that mm-hmm. somehow this is going to be related to the plot, to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I can't I had problems with the editing. <laughs> I, I wonder when we're going to get to that. The fast, it seemed, the fast cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And not just this, the whole film. I mean, there seemed to be erratic. Mm-hmm. And I know that for certain scenes the erratic editing was to compensate for the lack of special effects or the lack of, you know, um, stunts. You know, it just needed to kind of get you from point A to point B in the action. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like I said, it's like they're zoning in on the fact that James is, you know, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> uh, atmosphere, and, Arthur. Atmosphere. Let me let me just, say let me say this. Okay, let me say this. Because I'm, you know, this is why I said this is gonna be interesting. Because I actually I, I really like this pre-title sequence. Yeah, there is a. This is gonna sound weird, but there is a very European feel to this movie, and, and mm-hmm. you know, especially this pre-title sequence. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is that some of the Bond films can feel very British. Other ones can feel very international. You know what I'm saying? And then there's even a few like License mm-hmm. to Kill, for instance, that feel very American. You know. This mm-hmm. film almost has there's certain parts of this film that make me feel like I'm watching some, you know, uh, Italian, you know, modernist or whatever type, you know, art film okay. sometimes. And then mm-hmm. when I see in the beginning of this pre titles when he's driving and we're seeing from his, you know, from like what like we're sitting in the back seat. Like in, yeah, we're in the back seat. Right. And you see, you know, they zoom in on the, the smoking and, the, and, you know, there's no dialogue. And you really don't know what's going on. And then she runs out towards the water and he takes mm-hmm. the scope out. All of this had a really kind of um, not necessarily art house, but a very mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I felt again, like I was watching French or Italian cinema, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really dug that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. should mention Peter Hunt, who directed this movie. This He'd been an editor on many Bond films, but this was his first and only time directing a Bond film. And they purposely went for a different, you know, tone. Like we mentioned, yeah. they went for a different tone. And, some, yeah. and this pre-titles is very different than 
any other, you know, than than uh, it, there are similarities, I think, in the tone, maybe with Dr. No, maybe, you know, that, okay. that um, late 50s, early 60s type of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it just feels very different than the No or from Russia or Goldfinger, um, Thunderball or, or You Only Live Twice. And I really liked it. And I think it was a bold choice to make to introduce this new Bond. And I like the fact that we don't get to see, you know, like we just talked about last week with um, Timothy Dalton, how the reveal, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. see his face at first. I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The fast cutting, I have to say, from a 2021 perspective, it's it's almost hilarious because it's like how Mm -hmm. one minute he's over here. Then the next next second, he's like five feet, you know, 10 feet away. And thank you. He was straight throwing haymakers at this dude. And just like, you know, to one dude, his punching style, (laughs) punching style, it was cartoonish. Yes, it was. It was kind of like Adam West Batman. Yeah, for a little bit. Exactly. Um, Which is probably is is of the same era. Um, But I try to, you know, a lot of times you do have to kind of like go back in your mind. Okay, in 1969, this this film and this pre-titles and the film in itself was hella action-packed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like there was a lot of action, and that action was intense. And yeah. this fight at the beginning of this 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 uh, movie, it was intense. You know, was it as as intense or as good as maybe the Red Grant, you know, from Russia with Love fight? No. Um, but mm-hmm. it had that the impact, like when he when he hit um, homeboy, it's like you you felt that it's like bam, mm-hmm. it's like these haymakers mm-hmm. and dude is flying, mm-hmm. and it was just like this is very violent, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it just the vibe of it I thought was really interesting. So I I like this pre I like I like the tone that they set immediately that um, felt very different to me and very interesting to me. Let me ask you, did you did you have any issue with him breaking the fourth wall when he says, you know, this never happened to the other fella? Did you have any did you have any problems with that? I didn't. I actually kind of thought found that a little endearing. OK, because right. I could see I, I, I'm surprised. I thought that would be something that you you didn't dig um, that he made a direct reference to to Connery, uh, which yeah. is, again, brave on their point. You know, why mm-hmm. would you even mention, you know, what I'm saying Cause it's like you trying mm-hmm. to get people to forget about mm-hmm. Connery, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, so I thought that was actually kind of interesting for them to just deal with that head on right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I felt it kind of like, it, it kind of like, um, dealt with the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you know, okay, so you, you kind of confused, but did you know, okay, she's trying to commit suicide or were you kind of in the dark about that too? Did you, I was a little in the, swimming? well, no, <laughs> I, it was, it, it was, it was clear to me that, that she, well, one of two things. One is that she wanted to commit suicide, mm-hmm. you know. Two, she was, you know, drunk as hell and mm-hmm. decided to just walk in the water and was about to get overpowered by the waves. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know because, see, there was nothing. We find out that this is uh, that this is Tracy, the 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 main quote unquote Bond girl of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing. There's nothing in the film that refers back to why she was doing that. Mm. You could you could infer that mm. she was trying to escape the the shadow of her father or or her relationship to her mm-hmm. father, mm-hmm. Um, because you later see scenes with with um, with with Tracy and her father where there's just a lot of contention, right. But but it just wasn't explained to me why this was happening. Like, why was, it, was this happening? Yeah, well, but I think I, I, I kind of feel you on that. I do think, though, there is a little bit of 
especially when her father, you know, when Draco, Draco starts, um, Draco starts telling Bond yeah. about her, um, there is a sense of that, that fatalism, you know, that he, he kind of mentions, um, mm-hmm. in the sense of her, her life and her, the choices that she's made. But I also mm-hmm. think that, you know, again, going back to the kind of the, the, like I mentioned, the European or Italian French film aspect of this, there's that romantic side of it where it's like, you know, the girl, the woman is just, or the person is just so distraught that they're just going to end their life, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. almost like that kind of like uh Romeo Juliet type feel to it. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. let's, mm-hmm. let's just end it. And it, him rescuing her, I, I did think that they handled it very well when he, he's looking at her and he realizes what's about to happen. The action just jumps off. You know, he immediately mm-hmm. just puts the scope down and just, you know, hits the gas, drives down on the sand. And it's like the music picks up. And it yeah. was like, even if you didn't really know, I kind of felt like there was like a, oh, shit, something is happening. This is interesting type feel to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that did confuse me is that we find out later that the guys that Bond is fighting are Draco's men. Right. Those are right. They work for him. One of them puts a knife to Tracy's neck, though. And that's what right. threw me off. I'm like, what? Because at first I'm thinking, okay, are they protecting her? And that's why they're fighting Bond because they think Bond might hurt. I don't, that part was unclear. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I think that, you know, if you're there, I don't know if there's ever been a Bond movie without, you know, plot holes. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. that's kind of par mm-hmm. for the course. Um, but okay, so we have a little diametric opposition on the pre titles. What about the song? I mean, what song? <laughs> What? You mean the music this is underneath the title? I think this will be do throughout this entire episode. Um, you did not, so you're not a fan. You're not a fan of the arm. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, you know, I, no shade on John Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 title sequence was like this this hourglass, you know, sort of overlay over several video shots of past Bond movies and past Bond characters. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a greatest hits of right. James Bond up to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have anything. It didn't, to me, it didn't have anything to do with the film itself or mm-hmm. the title of the film, which other scores and title sequences did um even the ones that preceded on her majesty's secret service so it's not like a thing that they started doing for james uh for roger moore's bond films um it just kind of seemed sort of it just seemed it seemed slapped together Mm. but the song itself you you just don't like the song the music i mean the, the 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 music the music was the music was fine but it just when we talk about when we talk about the pre-title sequence, we talk about the songs. Mm-hmm. Again, before Lazenby and after, you know, we're talking about a standalone song to accompany a title sequence by an artist, mm-hmm. a theme song, a theme song, right? And this is it, but really not. Yeah, this is not. Yeah, this is definitely not. Although you know, from Russia with Love didn't have didn't have a a quote unquote you know theme song in that regard as well. The the actual song from Russia with Love was not part of the title sequence. But I gotta say, man, this track by John Barry, the Honor Majesty Secret Service, the theme song for this movie, is. I'm 
trying to think how do I express it. Um, Tom, you love I'm it. Not, I'm not even gonna rank it. I'm just gonna say I fucking love this shit. You know yeah. What I'm okay. I love this shit. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. I love as soon as those that doom doom as soon as it starts that dun 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 dun. It's so it's to me it's it's as Bond as the actual James Bond thing. I mean, a Barry score, you know, is to a, a Barry score is fit. I'm not to even James Bond score. I'm, not, I'm just in a similar just, way that John Williams just fits, right. you know, Star Wars, right? But like that's the I yeah. This track in and of itself, though, you could take out the Bond theme in a the movie and just put this in there. Okay, I, re- I really, I really, really wish, and I hope maybe they'll do it in No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. I really want them to bring this back. They did it for the there was a Spectre trailer where they mm-hmm. used this. And got everybody mm-hmm. hyped because it's like, oh shit, they're going to use, and they never used it in the film. Mm-hmm. But this track, I think, could be remade. You know, tweaked a little bit, modernized a little bit. Whatever. I'm gonna give it another chance. Give it another I, chance. I'm gonna give it you another know, chance this, without watching. Yeah, because exactly. I can't. Do I can't this. watch it. Yeah, don't watch the movie. Go, you know, cue this track up. Turn it up loud in your car, on your headphones, or wherever, and just yeah, just, just listen to it. Okay, that when I that will shit, do. Arthur, when that shit hits, it mm-hmm. hits, bro. Cause it's okay. like, th- I'm with that, you. Th- and it's like, you hear it throughout the movie and every time it comes on, I'm just like, Oh, this is just, it's, it's just, it's so Bondian to me. It could yeah. really actually be a replacement for the bond theme. Not that we're looking yeah. for a replacement, but I'm just saying an alternate. Um, Cause also, you know, with this film, similar to living daylights where you had aha doing the theme song and then you had Chrissy Hine of uh, the pretenders, you know, doing the, doing the, the post credit love song yeah not post credit but love theme mm-hmm. of this, you know you had Louis Armstrong doing a love theme we have all the time in the world mm-hmm. and this was one of the uh, if not the final but this is one of the last recordings that Louis Armstrong made cuz he passed mm-hmm. away a year later in 1971 um and i liked that for the courtship montage between bond and tracy mm-hmm. you know i think i think that fit now um but again, it was sort of like, I know I came in hard, like, what song? But it's like, we, you know, this, we have all the time in the world is not the title song, no. but it's like, that is how I would want to discuss, you know, right, the right. title and song, I, you know, for that's this. Fair. That's fair. Because it is, it is, a you know, all the time in the world, it's not only strongly associated with this film musically, it becomes a part of the actual narrative. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They mentioned mm-hmm. it a few times, mm-hmm. not the song, but I'm saying they mentioned the idea you know of you know we have and, and at the end of the film and the tragic ending of this film oh by the way spoiler alerts if you have never seen <laughs> yeah. 007 and counting before it doesn't end alerts. well <laughs> um, this movie does not end well um, <laughs> again following that kind of european film you know thing it's like we don't have to have a happy ending um right. we can end it just like this and then you leave the theater feeling however you want to feel Right. Um, but yeah, the you know the the Louis Armstrong song is and John Barry song. It is mentioned. It becomes a part. Is woven into the narrative and the idea, the concept of falling in love and feeling like you have you suddenly have all the time in the world with this person. 
um, that becomes a part of the story. I love the strings. I have to mention, mm-hmm. it's just not the singing mm-hmm. and the lyrics, the strings, um, John Barry's strings in this song. When you hear that, dun, 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 it's like, oh man, that's, that's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love both of the songs in here. I love the, the theme song. I love the, 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 the love theme. I'm all in. I'm all in. All right. So let's move to uh, Rated Bond. Rated Bond. How did you feel? Somebody who, I mean, you know, we'll talk about your overall feelings for the movie, but how did you feel this brand new Bond, George Lasby, how did you feel he performed as a, you know, as an actor and just the character of Bond in this film? Um, I, th- I don't have a problem with George Lasby as James Bond. And um, I, I actually would have liked to see him in another Bond film. Um, because there, you know, he was rough around the edges in some ways. Um, I think that, you know, he, in, in like the first third of the film, he walks into several rooms where he's just like attacked, you know, and after the fight is over, he carries himself as if nothing ever happened it's kind of hard to well no it's actually not hard to quantify it's just it's it's what was weird to me was the beach which is kind of a standalone because it's the pre-title so when the film actually starts you know Mm -hmm. he pulls up on universal exports and it some time has passed right but they're looking for him right yeah but at the hotel casino when he meets Tracy again, more formally, has some context, goes to her room after having been low-key invited to her room, you know, and he's jumped again by <laughs> some bra. Some, some right. Bra. Some brother bra. just jumps him yeah. who just is in the room. Right? right. He it and it's like he never really he, he never wonders why. Well, he does it's like, ask him. He, no, 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 to be fair. He doesn't, because I'm with you. Cause okay, right, because he goes like, to his you? room, she's there. Right. And he's like, okay, well, what's up? And then he asks her, you know, who was that dude in your room? And she's like, who? Like, I don't know, you know. I'm, uh-huh. And then he basically accuses her of lying, and she's like, I don't lie. You know, so uh-huh. she didn't know that her father was basically, you know, had these dudes, like, looking out for her or whatever they were doing. Yeah. Because um, because dude wasn't there at the beach when she was actually... Or, or were those his guys too? Those were his guys. Were those too. Draco's guys. That's why I said I don't understand okay. why okay. one of them put okay. the knife to her neck. Yeah, those were his dudes too. They, bro, they. By the time we get to the wedding at the end of the, they're at the wedding. Right, right. They're at the wedding, not as guards, as guests. They're at the <laughs> wedding, you know, throwing rice and shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay, so you don't mind you you don't mind Lazenby as Bond. No, I I didn't mind Lazenby like, as Bond. Do you like him as Bond? Kind of, but I really need. I needed another. I needed another movie for his approach to really kind of make sense. Because one thing about Lazenby that I liked um, was that you rarely saw you rarely saw Bond in disguise. And um, here, Bond maintains a disguise for a extended period of time. Yeah, he you know, goes, he goes he goes undercover. Yeah, he, he does goes, some yeah, spy he, shit. Yeah. And yeah. you even you even get to see him having a conversation of the individual that he is going to be the imposter of mm-hmm. to get some frame of reference and prepare basically to assume this role. 
So you also see his office. I never seen James Bond's office, or at least this is the first time, because I think I think you do see his office again in a Pierce Brosnan film. But um, and this doesn't necessarily speak to Lazenby in his portrayal so much as it does speak to the film and how it puts Bond in different scenarios and gives Lazenby a chance to, uh, you know, work out in those environments. M's home, for example, I had never heard M referred to as an admiral. Right. I've, I have heard I have heard Bond referred to as Commander Bond in mm. several films, but Admiral put it in put M in a whole new light as his not ranking in the, not to not to mention the fact that he apparently has some money. <laughs> he he's got a lot of money. He collects butterflies, um, and uh, you see. So you see M's home. You see Bond's office. Um, so the funniest thing. This is a side note, but the funniest thing about about um, Lazenby's Bond and how he kind of carries over uh, some of the tropes of James Bond. You know, James Bond is well-traveled, has a lot of class, you know, only the best. Here, Lazenby actually resigns Mm -hmm. from MI6, Mm -hmm. goes to his office. This is where you see that he has an office. Goes to his office to presumably pack up his office to leave, right? Dude pull, pulls out and puts on his desk a Gucci suitcase. <laughs> right. right. That's empty. He just has a, he just happens to have a Gucci go bag at the ready. <laughs> and loads that up. <laughs> right. And just in case I ever have to pack up all my shit and get that. Just in case. Yeah. Right. And then he goes through the, yeah, he, he basically, and I think this is, that scene was, meant to be a reminder just like the title sequence that this is the same bond that you saw in the other films you know, mm-hmm. like because he basically mm-hmm. packs up everything that happened from dr no through thunderball yeah um, and it's like that was just kind of like a heavy-handed way of saying yeah everything there's some continuity to all of yeah, this there's continuity mm-hmm. yeah exactly there's continuity um so i you know i it's interesting because I, I wanted to ask you the physicality of Bond also in this movie because by the time you get to only you only live twice, um, which has some memorable action scenes definitely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bond himself, Sean Connery is not the same Bond that you see in say um, from Russia with Love, you know, yeah. um, physically, and so here when we get to especially like you said the opening sequence which you didn't like but it, you know there was a lot of action right and there's like you said there's just like all these fight sequences where dude just walks into a room and he's attacked Mm -hmm. um he's a much more physical bond he's more he's younger and he's more agile and Mm -hmm. just that you know it kind of like what we talked about last week with um timothy dalton um Mm -hmm. not as drastic as that but there was a shift um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i kind of like that i kind of like the way lazenby carries himself you know he feels like somebody he could who could handle himself right um so i, I kind of like that uh i i'm with you though i like the fact that he went undercover um yes it was hilarious you know mm-hmm. to see him do that and to the fact that they dubbed his voice you know uh, over with mm-hmm. the other guy's voice mm-hmm. I thought it was funny um but it was interesting to see him you know study and you know basically prepare like a spy would do do all the research, do all the interviews, you know, and it takes time to take on the persona of someone else. Um, so I, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, he did the ladies man thing. Good. You know, <laughs> he basically turned on the charm when he needs to turn it on the, mm-hmm. you know, the scene mm-hmm. with the, uh, with all the girls at the dinner. 
um, was pulled off well. Um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Have some issues. Have some issues with. Have some issues with the menu choices during the dinner. <laughs> I think you know they did spend an inordinate amount of time. It seems like focusing on watching these girls consume food. You know, and I guess that was right. to emphasize the fact that. Um, maybe that, you know, the drugs or whatever that were, you know, being fed to them, you know, it was like, re- they really were hitting you over the head with that. Yeah. Um, but I thought the, you know, the chemistry or kind of like the way that he played it as, you know, as, as Lazenby was playing a different character, he's playing this Hillary Bl- Bray person, but at the same time, he's also playing Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he handled that pretty well, especially for somebody who's not a trained actor. Correct. Um, I agree with that. But he, I- know, the one line, the one liners, he did very well. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the uh, hmm. you know you had a you had a room full of women. I don't know twenty women. You know they're all young. You know and they're all eating, and uh, you know the Asian woman is eating rice with her chopsticks. Uh, the Jamaican black woman is eating a banana, and it's like, you know. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Right, right. Right. (laughs) You know, and she's eating it, you know, a peeled banana, you know, in a kind of a sexualized way and how she's inserting it into her mouth. And it's just like, it's like, what is all this? It's just just like, it's like 1969 just landed, you know, (laughs) on this film. Here's your dose of racism for this film. Right, Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's some there's some uh, misogynistic slapping around of women and just, you know, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this. Oh, yeah, dude. He kisses money penny on the mouth. Kisses money penny on money penny on the mouth. um, Slaps Tracy. um, Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. Draco <laughs> knocks her out. Draco just knocks his daughter out, you know, and then makes a joke about it. Spoiling the ride. Look, man, I'm watching the, the foot. Look, 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 me and Joy, we're watching this film. Right. And Draco just straight clocks, closed fist clocks her in the mouth. And me and Joe were just like, what the hell? <laughs> what am I watching? Because <laughs> it was, if you've never seen that movie, it does come out because you don't expect him to do that. You're like, <laughs> no, no. Like, no, you have to come with me. And then all of a sudden she's like, she says one more thing and it's like clock. It's like immediately. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then he jokes about it. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's just um, this is this is some heavy-handed misogyny going on because I mean the the conver- the the conversation and and I guess the end of the first the beginning of the second act where Draco and Bond are having this conversation and Draco is basically gonna pay Bond a million dollars to hook up with his daughter and because she just needs a man to make love to her so much that she's dominated and I'm just like <laughs> he literally do that. He literally, he literally says, says he that needs a man to dominate her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, sticking with that, because I think that that scene is kind of, you know, there's an action moment before that scene, you know, Bond fights off the guy, the, the, uh, the right, henchman, right. Um, comes into the room with the knife and then he ends up having, um, you know, almost like a quote unquote gentleman, gentlemanly conversation with Draco mm-hmm. um, where they're smoking cigars, drinking, you know, how did you, did you, I mean, at that point in the film, did you ever, let me ask you this. Did you ever think, have, find yourself thinking about Connery? You know, did you ever like consciously hmm. like watching and thinking, how would Connery play this? Or he's not doing it like Connery. Or did you ever like draw that comparison? No, I didn't draw the, com- okay. No, I didn't draw the comparison. What I, the comparison that I did draw, however, 
was how off formula this film was. Um, it wasn't until we get to that scene with Draco and Bond that we actually get some semblance of what the plot is going to be. For example, in this movie, huge spoiler alert, there is no mission for Bond. Bond basically creates his own mission. Right. He's taken off mission. He's 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 right. Which is what led to him wanting to resign. It's like M tells him you're you're off Operation Bedlam. You know, mm-hmm. Bedlam obviously was OK. You had these you had Spectre in the previous films. You had Blofeld in the previous films. Right. Bedlam was them like we need to kill this dude. We need to mm-hmm. find Blofeld, kill him. That'll that'll cripple Spectre. Yeah. And Bond had been looking for him for two years at this yep. point. With and no results. Like, right. You you ain't giving me no results. You're fired. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. off of that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Bond actually goes, you know, creates his own because when when Draco said or Draco says to him, listen, you know, do this for me and I'll do this for you. And Bond is like, well, here's my price. You know, yeah. you can you you're a criminal. You're at the top of this criminal organization. You can get me close to Blofeld. You know, you can find out mm-hmm. better than I can where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's his. He, like you said, he creates his own mission, which I thought was cool. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that that's different than him just going rogue, you know, which he's done in a lot of films, especially in the Daniel Craig era. Um, this is him, you know, creating a mission to actually fulfill his responsibilities to MI6, but you know, in a way that MI6 probably wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't say they they probably would be comfortable with it, but just in a way, you know, off the books because he's been fired essentially. Yeah. And I guess, you know what, I guess I guess I was making comparisons without meaning to in that thinking about it right now, I think Craig, you know, or even Connery would have would have would have handled those scenes a lot better that the audience would know that that's what he was on. In other words, I kind of like discovered like, oh, okay. Lazenby is now making these connections and figuring out that Draco can lead me to Blofeld. I think it was in the way of the conversation. It seemed a lot more of a casual conversation that Daniel Craig certainly, and Connery, but that Daniel Craig certainly would have out of the gate had to be like, look, this is, you know, this is all business. I'm walking into this room knowing, now that I know who you are, I mm-hmm. immediately know that you can get me closer to Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazenby look- played it a little more like, you know, prospective father-in-law. It was kind of mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. how that scene went for me. Taking, let's let's take all the other Bonds out of it for a second. And let's take, actually, let's take Lazenby out of it. Let's just look at Bond as a character. Did you like James Bond in this film? No, <laughs> the listeners, Arthur, is gun, like, gun. I mean, got the serious think face on. Right. Because I'm like, OK, it's got to either be yes or no. So what am I going to go with? You can go um, you can go in between. I'll give you you can do it. You can do it. Uh, I liked I liked second half bond more. Than I didn't like I didn't like first half bond. What didn't you like about first half bond? Not the acting. I'm talking about the actual character. What didn't you like about first half bond? Um. He didn't give me someone to care about. Mm. Okay. You didn't, you didn't connect with him. I was waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. I get, I get you fighting and stuff and <laughs> you playing cards and all that, mm-hmm. but I need something to, I, nothing has happened yet. There was nothing for you to grab onto. Right. 
but that changed in the second part. What was what was it that changed? Um, spy. He was a spy. Mm, okay. He was a spy that had infiltrated a lair, mm. had an objective, and was working toward that objective, mm-hmm. and was making decisions on the fly based on the scenarios that he was encountering. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm a little bit different because I think that I liked from the moment. Um, he, I guess probably from the Draco meeting is when I really started to like him. Um, I like the fact that when Draco offers him the money, he says, I don't need it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really, that just was intriguing to me like, whoa. And mm-hmm. it's like, if you look at this dude's lifestyle, it's almost like he's living off of the government in the sense, yeah. <laughs> living off the people yeah. basically in a sense, yeah. you know, he's driving yeah. this Aston Martin, he's got clothes, you know, he's mm-hmm. whatever, it, whatever money he's getting paid, he's obviously just stacking it, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, he's kind of like, kind of living all, you know, by the seat of his pants. And I also like the fact when he says, you know, uh, he plainly states probably for the first time in the series and maybe the only time he very plainly states, I have a bachelor's taste for freedom. You know, yep. it's like he that was I, I was yep. like, whoa, it's like he didn't, you know, hold back at all. It's just like, no, nah, I don't want to get married. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to settle down with a particular woman. I like mm-hmm. my freedom. Of course, mm-hmm. all that gets turned on his head um, mm-hmm. when he falls in love with Tracy, which makes it, you know, even more interesting. Um, but from that scene on, I think I was I was invested in him. Um, okay. he just he was intriguing to me. Um, but and then when we get into, you know, him, him leaving in my six, wanting to leave in my six. I thought was interesting. His, his, you know, that scene with M, you know, when Mm -hmm. M basically just shuts him down, you know, Mm -hmm. he won't even listen to him because he's Mm -hmm. like, well, sir. And he's like, that's it. 007. I'm Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Mm -hmm. there's no conversation. He looks hurt. You know, if you look at, if you go back and watch that bond looks hurt in a way that Craig, you know, Craig has a very close relationship with his M. Mm -hmm. Um, And Craig is, you know, very much hurt when in Skyfall, when you know M basically gives the order to you know shoot even though it may get him killed regardless of the fact that he's very you know understanding of her position and she can't you know be in a position to care about him over the mission he's right. obviously hurt by her you right. know because that's his mother figure um but he doesn't he and he doesn't he's he's reserved in the way he expresses it he's still very I don't I hate to use this term, but very macho in the way that he expresses it. Whereas mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Lazenby, you can see it all over his face, man. You know, when when he when M shuts him down, he he's like he's very dejected. And yeah. he just goes, he almost goes back to his office and throws a little fit, you know, temper t- or he goes into Money Penny's office and she's trying to joke and he's like, take a memo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, tell mm-hmm. this motherfucker I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, okay, this dude, he's 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 a little bit more emotional than any of the bonds that we've seen. Um, so I was I was pretty much invested with him from that point. I think I think my investment came uh, with the meeting that Bond had with the real Sir Hillary Bray. Mm, you like yeah you really like the 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 spy detective aspect of it. You know when he got down to business that's that's when you got engaged. Yeah, and uh, that's right, that's right. You know, so Casino Royale, I found I found some I found some parallels in in Casino Royale. You know, Craig, he's 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 completely pissed off him. He's created all kind of problems for her. Right. They got people that want his head and she's she's trying she's trying to defend him. But he makes it very difficult because he's breaking up into her apartment, logging into her computer and stuff, you know. Um, But this bond, he has an objective. Early on Mm -hmm. to find out and it's related to the pre, you know, to that pre title sequence. You're talking about Find, casino. 
I am. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yes, I'm talking yeah. about casino to define mm-hmm. this this parallel. Mm-hmm. So from the gate, this bond, you know, has an objective. Now contrasting that with with uh, Majesties, speaking to the problem that I'm having while I'm not invested in this bond early on, even though out of the gate we're told what Bond's objective is, M pulls him from that objective. Mm-hmm. There's the movements that he made. It's almost that he doesn't he doesn't try to reconnect with that objective when he leaves Universal Exports. What happens? I'm trying. Okay, you know so what I'm saying? He, what immediately? Not to recap, but when he leaves, when he gets when he when he finds out. Oh, I know. Yeah, because when he he tries to quit, Money Penny basically interjects and like right. you know says. Changes I quit that I want to leave. Yeah, I want a two-week leave leave. vacation. So he goes to. Does he go back right back to to Draco, um, and basically follow up on that lead? I believe he does. So, yeah, because he 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 gets to the he. uh, That's it was like a jump that he he basically pulls up on this hotel because we don't really know where he is. Like, what country are you in? I'm getting flashbacks to that SOF um, snobs on film episode. Uh, what was it? Constantine. Where you were like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, he, but he is basically trying to create his own, he, you know, mission. Cause he's off the, he's completely off the books, but it's not like, again, it's not like the whole bond goes rogue thing. It's he's playing, he's kind of like coloring outside the lines, but then trying to get back in the lines. Cause he realizes, yeah. okay, if I can, you know, find a solid lead, then I can have something to hand to him. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, overall, though, I I liked um, Lazenby's portrayal of Bond. I think mm-hmm. it was different. It was definitely mm-hmm. different than Connery. It was more vulnerable. It was mm-hmm. it was a little bit more boyish at mm-hmm. times. You know, mm-hmm. he the way I noticed his posture and kind of the way he sat. You know, Connery was the gentleman's gentleman. You know, there's, there was a very mature aspect of Connery at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Lazenby, and it wasn't just because he was younger, but just there was just something about him that felt at times a little boyish, a little bit more. Um, well, he was cocky. Say, he was cocky, but Bond is cocky. You know, that's fine. But there was just something about him. Like when I remember at one point when uh, when uh, Blofeld, you know, lets him know, I know you're Bond. Mm-hmm. And he's and, you know, Blofeld is talking to him and, and Bond is sitting on the couch. The way he, even he's sitting, you know, he's he's bent over. He's got his his um, arms on his knees, and just the way he's sitting, like I can never see uh, Connery sitting like that. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's like he mm-hmm. just he felt mm-hmm. very different um, the way he portrayed. But I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was interesting. And I'm like mm-hmm. you. I would have loved to seen him what he would have done with Diamonds Are Forever, especially if they would have made as it, as it's been rumored, if they would have made Diamonds Are Forever more of a quantum of solace type thing where it was basically mm-hmm. him you know the full movie was about him getting revenge against blofeld and, and irma bunt mm-hmm. um i would have loved to have seen that and i think because if this was if this was lazen to be his first um go you know go as an actor i think he would only gotten better and i, I would have liked to have seen that yeah all right uh you want to move to uh well can we i know we're going to move to women and villains i do want to get to that the wardrobe what was wrong with the? Are you about to say uh, you about to give it uh, some love, or you you, ha- you got issues? I got issues and love. So Diana Rigg as Tracy Bond, she was always put together. She was fly throughout the entire film. 
Lazenby, not so much. And I don't know how much. So he wore a lot of ruffles, which I guess was a thing in the late 60s. Um, Even some of the leisure suits just didn't really completely work for me. Every time dude was in a suit, though, he looked fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like what he wore, what he wore to break into the accountant's safe, that whole sequence, yeah, which I which scenes. I really did like, even mm-hmm. though I didn't lock into him until a little bit later. You know, I really did like that, and I did get the sense that okay, now we're we're starting to move the story along. Yeah, I, I think it should be said. Lazenby has a really good silhouette. You know, he was he was in excellent shape, man, in in this film. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. up with I think along with Craig. They're probably, you know, in terms of just body, in terms of, you know, physicality, as far as their bodies, they were, they're both up there in terms of um, just being in great shape. So, but yeah, he looked really good in a suit. He's tall, you know, yeah. um, but I think that, yeah, Tracy always looked good, but, you know, I'm, I'm always a sucker for that 1960s fashion. Um, I've said that before on the show, so I, I was kind of in on the, the the fashion choices in the movie, and I thought All it right. worked well together. All I mean, right. You know, this movie presented is very cinematic. You know, very it looked mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. big. You know, the whole time, um, and that I think you know the wardrobe kind of played into that. There was never a time like when when you get into the 70s and some of the Roger Moore films. There's a kind of almost a TV feel to some of them. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. TV-ish Especially film. like Man with the Golden Gun. That felt yeah, like Yeah, exactly. A... It feels like, you know, something that was like two hours on CBS or something, you know what I'm saying, on a Sunday night. So, but this felt very, very cinematic. Um, and I think that that helped, you know, the fashion and the, you know, Bond as a character. So, so I think we're both, we're both rating Bond himself high. So, okay, so women versus villain. Um, on the women's side, the Bond women's side, you got a lot of women on that side, actually. Tracy yeah. obviously is number one, and she's an iconic, you know, Bond woman. Mm-hmm. But putting her aside for a second, you have who? You have all the, you have all the girls at the... Uh, right, at you Pins got Ruby. Gloria. Yeah. Um, I kind of, th- I, I, you know, I, f- I really do feel that the, that the Bond women win... Mm-hmm. In this film, mm-hmm. um, I think so. Because on the villain side, is is it just is it just Blofeld? It's, it's really Blofeld and Bunt. Yeah, it's it's, it's Blofeld and Bunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Telly Savalas. Mm-hmm. I like Telly Savalas as Blofeld. Kind of funny because I mean he's like a really active Blofeld. I mean this dude is out on the ski slopes and <laughs> very different than the <laughs> blowfell we saw in the previous film very, very different, different than the than the cuz that was Donald Pleasance, right right it's funny man cuz just like what you just said about the ski slopes cuz it was it was hilarious when they noticed that bond has escaped and blowfell just like sees it throws the cat on the on the on the uh, desk like i ain't got time for you <laughs> mm-hmm. and he leaves and you're like okay is he about to go tell zeus no he no. goes and suits up he suits up <laughs> He suited up. He's out there. You know what I'm saying? With Hands no, on. with no ski poles, no ski poles. <laughs> and it's like we, you know, he's handling this. You know what I'm saying? He's that handling. Was it's like okay, this guy is. This, this man is out here jumping. No, right. But you know what? The funny thing is, though, Arthur, he is supposed to be the same Blofeld. You know what I'm saying? It's like if the continuity right. is there, he's supposed to be the same guy that was in Thunderball. You know, um, behind the you know behind the veil, basically. And was telling uh home I forgot my uh, the the main guy's name number two yeah uh, yeah number two telling him you know what to do so it's like that's this that's the same guy it's like it, 
really I'm, I'm surprised in Thunderball he didn't go snap off, you know. So right. yeah, it was a very different, very different Blofeld. He was this was an activist but Blofeld, to say the least. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> His hands on management, man. He was he was in there. Yeah, to say there. the least. Um, um so you okay, so but you are you saying that the Rogues Gallery in this film, you like them better than the than than the Bond women? No, I still like the Bond women better. Okay. Okay. I still like the Bond women better. Um, You know who kind of puts it over the top for me? And uh, I always say that it's not fair, but you never challenge me on it. I always throw money penny into the mix. Mm -hmm. And I think, I do think that this is a credit to maybe not necessarily Lazenby's acting. I know that that has a factor, but just to the fact that this is not Sean Connery, this is a new bond and a new, you know, approach. It really kind of opened up some of the secondary characters. You know, um, we don't see we see Q in the film, but we don't see Q in the lab. This right. Bond has no gadgets. He's been he's been issued no special equipment beyond his car, right. which is otherwise seemingly just, a, you know, a, a nice a, 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 right off the showroom Aston Martin. It's not outfitted right. with gun barrels or oil slicks. Um, this is a different M. It's like they've got a, They've got some time now to expand the role a little bit, which expands the acting. Mm-hmm. And Lois Maxwell is no different. We see, we always know that there's this flirtatious relationship, mm-hmm. but here you see uh, a money penny that really feels like she's got a chance. Yeah, and you Good see point. how she really steps steps up for her Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he wants, you know, uh, Bond wants to quit. Take a memo. Mm-hmm. I resign. Later for you. You know, mm-hmm. money penny. Knowing who he is, you know what? He really doesn't want to quit. Let me request a two-week leave. They both need some space. Let me try <laughs> right. to, you know what I'm saying? Let's try to separate she's, the she's, two men in she's my manage, life. She, all right, she's man, exactly. She's managing this situation. Because <laughs> right. even M says, what would I do without you, Money Penny?" Right, right. And then there's that very tender moment, you know, at the end. When at the I, end. Yeah. That, and that was, that. I think to your point, that shows that she thought she had a chance. And even mm-hmm. if she didn't think she had a chance, it's one thing to not have a chance with him knowing he's just always going to be, you know, the freedom loving bachelor. It's another thing to watch him marry someone else. You know, right. that's, that was different. There's a and certain finality to it. Exactly. And it was very touching to see him know that, to recognize that mm-hmm. and to, you know, take the moment to like, you know, let her know just by a look that, you know, I do, I do care about you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I do have, I do, you know, you are important to me. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really interesting choice on the writers and, and, the, and yeah. Peter Hunt. Yeah. And, and 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 tossing the hat. I don't know if that was scripted. Maybe it was. Mm-hmm. But Bond tossing the hat, which was always his calling card of him being back in the office. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that was, was something really that nice they touch. only had between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the Bond women were um, as misogynistic as the film is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a certain dignity that these characters had, that these female characters had. Yeah. Yeah, I you know what I I'm with you. I love I love what Telly Savalas did with Blofeld. Um, Irma Bunt was you know that character is very memorable um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the few, maybe the only villain to just ever get away. Like she she's never brought up again. She you know committed the ultimate crime against Bond and mm. that's never followed up on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like the villains in this film, but I think Tracy puts it over the top for me as far as the women, mm-hmm. um, the Bond mm-hmm. women. And that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. excuse me, she's, she's iconic and she's, she's the one he married. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's references to her later on. Roger Moore references her. I think yeah. For your eyes only, he visits the, her grave. He visits the gravesite. Um, and license to kill. Um, Felix Leiter mentions to his bride that yeah, James was married before. James mm-hmm. is married once. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, so she's referenced. Um, so. And, and even in Spy Who Loved Me, there's a moment where she's kind of alluded to. So I, I think that she puts it over the top, you know, because mm-hmm. like there's never been one like her. The closest is probably Vesper, you know. Right. Um, and then also she saves his ass, man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even more so than like we were talking about last week with uh, uh, um, Kara, even more so than that, because when she shows up at, at you know, at the little at the town, skate the piss glory. Yeah. The yeah. Skating rink. And she just rolls up on him. Right. And he looks up. You know, the look on his face is like, if he wasn't in love with her before, he's definitely fell in love right there. Yeah. And it's like, right. she just looks at him like, yes, I'm here for you. And, and you know she's the, and she's the wheel man behind the cougar. And handles it. And handles, <laughs> handles it. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't just driving, man. She was driving. You know what I'm yes. saying? She was, she was handling it. She, I mean, there was, and it was interesting, even later on when, um, at Piz Gloria, when she's fighting, the Bond theme kicks in. And for the majority of the Bond theme, the camera is on her, Mm. you know, it was very Mm -hmm. interesting, man. It was like, she's fighting, she kills that dude. And it's like the whole time you're hearing the dun, 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 dun. And it's like, damn, is this, this is Tracy 007? You know, it's like, she really handles. So she puts it over the top and she, you know, she's also, um, sensitive, vulnerable, all, you know, she's all these things. She's a very, very multi-layered complex character. Um, so yeah, bond, bond women over the villains for, for us, for this film. All right. All right. Before we get into Q and a, any last words? I mean, overall, I mean, did you, you were confused by this movie. Did you like it? It it was, yeah, it redeemed itself by the end of it. Um, I would give it, I definitely would give it another, another watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you haven't seen Honor Majesty's Secret Service, you, you you need to. I think there's enough uh, enough canon in this film that mm-hmm. um, gets referred to in later films, as we've you know just been just been discussing. Right. I do wish that there was another Lazenby film, and I I do think that I I, I take note of your European influence, like how you were saying uh, early in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it felt a little more experimental to me Mm -hmm. and um i guess by that time certainly with the gross receipts of the previous films you know it had enough like it could afford to take a risk from the standpoint of how much money the franchise was making and the stability of it that even if the franchise took a hit and i believe it it made money the film made money Mm -hmm. not as much as the connery films did um so it did take a hit um but then, you know, they later recovered as they were moving into the Roger Moore era. Right. Um, right. So, you know, it's it's got its real, it, it definitely has its value. Mm-hmm. Would it surprise you to know that amongst the, you know, the, the super Bond fan community or whatever, that a lot of people, a lot of those super fans, this, they rate this as one of, if not the best Bond film ever. Would that surprise you to know that that's, that's a popular opinion? That's not a, like a rarity. That's a popular opinion. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me after seeing the film. The funny thing about it was watching the film, um, seeing Blofeld's lair, which was really funny because at a certain point when they discover, when, when Blofeld discovers that um, Hillary is actually 007, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
Oh, no, no, no. Before that. At a certain point, they go to like what is literally a lair. I mean, it, the dude steps off the elevator and they're like in, they're in a, they're in a lair. Wait a minute. Weren't we just in a resort? And it's like you walk in, it's like there's like, there's like grit, water like, dripping. There's mist <laughs> at the bottom of the thing. Like the back cave. It's like, hold up. What happened? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, Blofeld's lair is literally third or fourth dream level in christopher nolan's inception yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of that the ski scenes yeah you can definitely see and a lot of this became tropes you know the austin powers franchise you know aped a lot of this stuff yeah yeah this is yeah. This set the tone for a lot of things yeah so no it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me it definitely doesn't surprise me from a filmmaker's perspective mm-hmm. because i read this i you know i read this this film was climbed um over the years, decades or whatever, you know, for me, this film mm-hmm. is definitely one of the best in the franchise. And I didn't always think that, but I just, the old, maybe it's the older I get, but I just, I really appreciate this film. And as I was watching it, preparing for this episode, I probably enjoyed it more than I ever have. Um, so yeah. I, I really, I really have a strong affection for this film. And I, like I said, I really just like the idea or the, the feel of it as different than the other, any of the other films. And I was mm-hmm. really thinking about, um, I keep saying really, I was strongly thinking about um, <laughs> uh, No Time to Die as uh-huh. I was watching this and wondering, hmm, could this, you know, could No Time to Die become something like this where it just, it just stands out, you know, because Kerry Fukunaga is just like, he's such a different director mm-hmm. and the clips that we've seen, I'm just wondering, wow, how, how great would it be to get a final Craig film that just is so different from anything else? Um, and that's also great. That, that would be, that would be fantastic. So, yeah. All right. Um, let's get into Q and a question and Arthur. So this is, if you guys have never listened to 007 accounting before, this is where Arthur is going to be asked three trivia questions he gets 25 points for each question he answers correctly. Listeners should play along. Keep track of your score. We're going to tally them all up after our final episode of this era of 007 County. Um, Arthur acquitted himself very well last week. Um, he came back. He started off rocky, but then he came back with a bonus point. Um, so we'll see how he does this week. Are you ready, Arturius Maximus? I am. All right. So I'm going to do uh, each question um, twice. I'm going to say it once. Repeat it then you will give your answer. So question number one, when Draco realizes Bond could be the man Tracy falls in love with and marries, he offers Bond a sum of money to make it so. How much does he offer and in what currency? I'm going to say it again. When Draco realizes Bond could be the man Tracy falls in love with and marries, he offers Bond a sum of money to make it so. How much does he offer and in what currency? Uh, it's one million pounds. It is one million pounds. It is absolutely one million pounds. You, I was hoping I may trip you up because earlier when you mentioned it, you said one million dollars. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Fuck that up, and I could have got you. <laughs> so, all right. So, give yourself twenty-five points if you uh, guess or you said one million pounds. And again, I love the fact that that Bond is like, I don't need one million pounds. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, what kind of do you know? What I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How are you living? Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying it's mm-hmm. like it's just interesting how. Um, he seems to have a disdain for the, the, you know, the material and that you see that in some other films too. We'll talk about that another time, but he seems to have a disdain for some material things, um, which is odd because he, the cars he drives and the clothes he wears. But anyway, question number two in Q and a bond breaks into Gumball's office in burn and then breaks into his safe besides contents from within the safe. What else does bond steal? Ah, 
Bond breaks into Gumball's office and burn and then breaks into his safe. Besides some contents from within the safe, what else does Bond steal? An issue of Playboy magazine. Arthur is on fire this episode, y'all. It is mm. correct. Bond takes, do you know the month and year of that issue? I do not. <laughs> do you have that issue? <laughs> um, no. So yeah, it was a uh, Playboy magazine and it was, you know, was, I thought it was cool to see that because this is, the, I'm, you know, obviously that was the early days of Playboy. I can't remember. I think Playboy debuted in the early to mid sixties. Um, Chicago connection, obviously with Hugh Hefner, but that was during the time when there was, you know, not only was it about the girls, there was actual journalism and famous writers were, you know, contributing articles to, um, mm-hmm. to Playboy and the precursor as a precursor to Esquire magazine. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting to see, see that in this kind of that, that, that cultural artifact, you know, in this movie. Um, the burn, and as you, I think we mentioned before, but the gumball office scene is one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. Yeah, um, it's very any, good. I don't think there's any dialogue, um, but just very spy, a spy doing spy shit. Yeah. You know? The cool thing about it, right? No dialogue, but the cool thing about it that the whole thing is coordinated between chimes of a clock tower because he's, yeah. he's only got an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really really like that scene. Um, okay, so question number three, Q and A. So far, Arthur is two out of two. Let's see if he can pull the hat trick. Um, as Bond prepares to go undercover as Sir Hillary Bray, he learns about his own family tree, including the Bond family motto. What is it? Repeat that one more time. As Bond prepares to go undercover as Sir Hillary Bray, he learns about his own family tree, including the Bond family motto. Arthur, what is the Bond family motto? You don't have to give me the Latin version. You can give me the English version. Mm. The world is not enough. Arturius Maximus for the win. The hat trick, three out of three. Mm. 75 points. Feels good. First time since I think the first episode of 007 and Counting last year that you've done that. I think so. So listeners, if you had The World Is Not Enough, um, which you should have if you're any type of Bond fan, seeing as how it is the name of a Pierce Brosnan movie uh, many, many years later, um, give yourself 25 points. So Arthur, you got 75 out of 75 there. Nice. Appreciate that. So uh, we will be back in one week. Um, is this, let me see. So we got what, two, how many more films? We got two more. Two films, more. Yeah, Just two more. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's episode four. So, yeah, so we're coming up really, really close now to uh, No Time to Die. So, all right, we will be back next week with the next um, installment of 007 Accounting. We'll let you guys know what that film is going to be probably a day or two before. Um, But who knows? We'll see. So reach out to us via Twitter, hashtag Mad Unreal. Again, I am Arthur. I'm at A-R-R-T-H-U-R-R on Twitter. And I am at at Isaac... Perry um, on Twitter, I-S-A-A-C-P-E-R-R-Y. Hit us up, hashtag Mad Unreal. Let us know what you thought about Honor Majesty's Secret Service or anything Bond-related. Fuck it, you ain't got to say it with this movie. Let's just talk about anything Bond-related with 007 and County. Um, yeah, and we'll be back next week with uh, another film. 
All right. Don't forget to subscribe. Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Helps with discovery. Helps make the show bigger and better than the last. Oh, man. I, I fell apart. I was going to try to make some like bigger, better, bolder bond type stuff. <laughs> oh, but yeah. that just completely fell apart. See you next yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Keep it unreal. Thank <laughs> you.